0: a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. We are calling today's podcast, What's Normal? What's normal development? Is my child growing and thriving in all the right ways? What's normal behavior? Is my child the only one doing this, not getting this, driving me crazy? And more importantly, what's normal for you and your family? Am I the only parent feeling this way, losing it, loving my child this intensely? Or am I the only one wanting to run away from home and hide? or as one of today's guests might say, wanting to run away with some wine and Cheez-Its. So today we have lots to talk about, including parent comparisons, competitiveness, and the mom shaming that often comes with feeling not normal. Let me introduce three very fun, unfiltered moms at the square table today. Welcome to Rachel Sobel, Marnie Wetzler, and Shirley Stern. Rachel, you're a writer and a truth teller when it comes to life with kids. Can you start us off with your take on what's normal, for you and your family I
1: would love to so what's normal for me and my family on any given night is my older daughter going to bed having Cheez-Its and milk for dinner <laughs> um, and taking a two-hour bath while she watches a full feature film so that I can get some work done and then my younger daughter going to bed in the same onesie she woke up in that's normal in my house okay
0: so you are a rule breaker total rule dismisser
1: yes and how did you come to that Um, I don't like the pressure I don't like to feel like I have to fit into a certain box of raising my kids a certain way and I am a firm believer that you do what works for you and I think that that's a mantra that every mom should have because when we get caught up in worrying about what other moms are doing and the developmental stage of every child of every friend that we have that's when you start to make yourself crazy and and go insane so I'm just a big proponent of doing what works for you.
0: And she just blew off that mom guilt like it was nothing. What's mom guilt? <laughs> righty, We can tell you. <laughs> because it's it's the, you know, like when I try to imagine where does that question of normal come in, and I think everyone's feeling enormous pressure mm-hmm. in this generation of parenthood more than ever because of Google, mm-hmm. because of social media, because of groups because you're out. I mean, moms come to me and say, I'm feeling stressed walking into a mommy and me class with a newborn. Mm-hmm. Will I fit in? Will I do the right thing? Will my baby do the right thing? And of course, the answer is your, your children rarely do the right thing. Well, I think we,
1: we also have a generation of sanctum mommies that come along with those children who... Perpetuate those pressures and make other moms feel like, oh my god, my child's not sitting up, my child's not walking up, my child hasn't said their first word, they're not liking the foods I'm feeding them, and so it's a lot of pressure for a parent, new or second time or third time, to feel when they're surrounded by moms who are very self-righteous, instead of just going with the flow and realizing that every child is different.
0: Okay, and I, of course, I have to defend the self-righteous moms, and then I'm going to come to Marnie, because you were the only mom of one, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Sort <laughs> of. Not, <laughs> but you're you felt you might have felt some of those experiences, absolutely. Um, and but so, the question with the self righteous moms, what I just want to say out there is I believe when you're parenting in a fishbowl, when you feel like every decision you make will be wrong, will be judged, then the defensiveness and the armor comes up, sure. and you have to look a lot more perfect than real. Mm-hmm. And so, that's the struggle, um, and I think it's a genuine struggle on all sides. Um, but yeah, we have. Have to find our response to those um, those perfect moms out there, and and maybe perfect dads. So, Marnie, normal and the question. I'll use air quotes. A normal um,
2: night for me. I am so opposite from Rachel. We're best friends, but we could not be more opposite in terms of that situation. I am. A creature of habit like no other, and I need routine. I need to know what's going to be expected. I need to have like, okay, I'm going to do this at this time. He's going to get home. He's going to get in the bath, and he's going to have dinner. Then we're going to have playtime. Then it's bedtime, and it's very hard for me to get out of that sort of routine. I've been much better as of late. They're probably looking at no, me. No, no, you haven't. I've you been happen. much better, but it's it's not easy for me. It's very foreign for me. It's at very abnormal, I should say, to not have a routine. For example, on Fourth of July. Um, Everyone kept talking about fireworks, and I'm thinking, don't mention it. He's going to bed at seven. He's not going for fireworks. And my tell husband, tell everybody how old he is. He's five he's and a two. half. <laughs> he's not two. He's five and a half.
3: He'll be six. He he did not even December. know what fireworks no, were.
2: So the counselor, I can't put him in the car, and she said, "Have fun at fireworks." And he goes, "Mommy, what is she talking about?" I was like, "Oh God." So the day of Fourth of July, my husband says, "Oh, Danny, mommy's gonna be mad at me, but I don't care. If you're a good listener all day, we're gonna take you to see fireworks." And I gave him a look like, "Ugh, oh, like I." I was like, don't you dare tell him that. And I said, babe, fireworks don't start till eight. And he goes, no, they start at nine. And I like (laughs) felt horrified. I was like, oh my god. But we did it. We kept him up. He saw fireworks. He was great. He was certainly tired the next day. But it's good for me and for him to do things outside of my comfort zone, as we talk about often, and sort of, you know, be more willing to mix it up a little bit.
0: Because every day there will be disruptors, yes. whether it's your own children, whether it's your spouse, yes. whether it's a teacher, somebody out there in this world mm-hmm. is going to mess up that mm-hmm. perfectly planned child raising family experience. Very so, true. We're going to come back to that journey.
1: No, as much as we do give Marnie a hard time and, and make fun of her for her scheduling and whatever, but I will say I have learned a lot from her now raising my second child down here. I didn't have that experience. We spoke on the phone all the time and you know traded comments and advice and things I didn't want to hear and did want to hear and everything in between. But now with a newborn here and having Marnie so close – I am, you know, looking to her for things with sleeping and scheduling because I didn't do any of that right, with my right. first and I'm paying for it now. So it is nice to have that perspective, even though we are on polar opposite sides of the spectrum. It's There's a lot I can take away from some of the things she does and make it my own. And that's another thing I think moms need to do is take that advice, but add your own flavor to it instead of
0: following the cookie cutter of what everyone does. Because once we start embracing... The whole spectrum. Um, then we learn from the the r- rules and routines, people. We learn from the be flexible and adaptable, go with the flow. We've got it's, but that idea that there's one normal mm-hmm. is is the killer. Where are you in this, Shirley? How normal do yeah, you feel today? Where are you in this, Shirley?
3: I don't know. I'm kind of in between the two of you. I would say I'm definitely not as rigid as Marnie, and I'm definitely not as loosey goosey as you. I'm somewhere <laughs> in the middle of it. I'd like to think that I'm like rigid, like 8:30 is bedtime. But if I'm washing dishes or cleaning up the table or folding laundry or on a call or doing whatever, 8:30 becomes 9:15 very easily. And especially in the summer, I'm pretty much okay with anything. I only have one child right now. My older one is at sleepaway camp, so it's a totally weird dynamic in the house that we just have the one to be mindful. And she's like... Um, and she's a free spirit she's a free spirit and you can sort of like lose her in the mix like you're like wait did Sydney go to sleep because she's been like <laughs> off in the playroom for an hour and no one's seen her and then you go in there and she's like building magnetiles to the ceiling and we're like um it's 840 you might want to start you know let's brush teeth whatever but she'll brush her own teeth she'll go to the bathroom she gets herself ready for bed she gets herself in bed turns on the light opens the closet like she can do her whole routine herself so I don't know we don't really have a normal my husband works a lot he works kind of strange hours so what we do do is all eat dinner together. We don't eat the same meal necessarily, but we all eat dinner together. Same girl, same. yeah And then um we usually uh
0: just you know mill around for like an hour or so after dinner and then find our way to sleep. But how did you each arrive at your normal? Because I think in order to find give I, I what I hear myself thinking as you're all speaking is you have to give yourself permission to be the parent you are in a family with maybe a co-parent who may or may not be exactly the way you are. And so you have to give them permission to be themselves in this. And then I I don't know that you give your children permission, but I think you you trust your children so that if they're throwing things off course or contrary to your expectations, then you have to somehow embrace that. So how did you give yourself permission to do this your way? I mean, did, Did you have it first time around? Did you have it now that she's moving out of preschool and into the big world? I mean, those baby moms are just defining themselves. Where did that click come? That you were like, this is the mom I am. Right. And each of my children, and I can accept each of my children exactly as they are.
3: I think with Jacob, I was very not rigid. Like, I used to call Jacob my purse. I took him with me everywhere, whether it was the mall, a restaurant, a movie, whatever it was. And Jacob was willing to go and able to go anywhere at any age, always. And then with Sydney, Jacob would nap like 20 minutes in the car, and then he'd be up, and then he'd nap 20 minutes in a stroller, and he never slept well. He would fall asleep in our bed, and then we had to transfer him, and it was like a whole bad thing that we got into. So I was like, when I have another child, I will not do it this way, and I didn't do it that way. And I was like, people are like, oh, do you want to have lunch? And I'm like, um, do you want to have lunch at 11:30? Because I have to be home at one, because Sydney has to be in her crib at one. One is nap time, and I was rigid for like a while, and then I'm like, oh, forget it. I mean, it's too. I'm missing out. Yeah. You know, it's like she can't go. To to a play date or I can't meet a friend for yogurt because like we're beholden to the one to four and I'm like I can't, I can't live my life this way so I started out trying to be more rigid and then I just ended up sort of going with the flow and I think for our life and the way that we live, I, I can't be so rigid. Like, I would love to have my kids in bed at 7 o'clock. Yeah. That would be, like, my dream. But that would make me more unhappy. But how do I have them in bed at 7 o'clock when dinner's at 6.45? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I, I'm shoving food down their throat and then throwing them into bed? Like, it's just, we, everything we do is a little bit later where I think, like, the kids who go to bed early, they eat dinner at 5, 5.30. We eat dinner at 6.30, 7 o'clock. So, of course... Eight thirty, nine o'clock is more normal for us for bedtime, and I'm okay with it. I like having all of us together for a little bit after Keith is done with work and hanging out. If I put my kids to bed at 7, he would never
0: see them. Mm-hmm. And I think the secret in your story is <laughs> allowing yourself to change, allowing yourself to be one way at this stage of your parenthood and another way with your next child or even just a month later or a year later or in a different city because everything changes all the time. And that the, the grasping on that normal, I think, is first on ourselves. It's got to be this way. I have to measure up to, those, mm-hmm. to that ideal wherever it comes from. And then for those poor kids, you know, my experience is the world's getting narrower and narrower in terms of what that definition of normal looks like. And we have labels for everything that's, you know, outside those those lanes but it's not easy Um, there isn't just this easy fluidity that says oh yeah you can be quirky this way and you can be quirky this way
1: well I think you have to be comfortable with yourself um, which comes from I think life experiences and maybe being a little bit older I think that when you're a new mom and you're young you know what you know based on the people around you and what you see and so you form your opinions based on just that Naive, you know, scope of the world, but as you get a little bit older and you have life experiences, I think you realize, oh, wait, I don't have to do it that way. And but I think it takes being comfortable and confident in yourself as a mother to feel that way, and that doesn't come so easy because it's very easy to question yourself on a regular basis with the decisions you're making, even if you feel like it's the right thing for you. You can go back in your mind and go, should I have done it that way? Should I have? done the routine that way should I have given her back that early should I have let her eat that I mean it's easy to ask yourself so
0: when did you feel like I know this is the mom I am and I love and accept her
1: I don't know. I think I. I still don't know if I feel like that every day. I think it's a work in progress, and which
0: I is think, also the other myth. I mean, because mm-hmm.
1: so I know I, I I'm a. i am know I'm a good mom. I know my kids love me. I love my kids. They are everything. But I had a very different experience because with my first child, she was with my first husband, a different man, raised in a different state. Um, he worked very long hours. I did a lot on my own, and we tried to do stuff together, but we had no support system there. So. It was a very different way to raise a child. Now I'm down here with a man who is home earlier, is very hands on with with his daughter. Um, I have my friends around me and my family around me, so it couldn't. It is like night and day, and so it's yeah. interesting to compare those two experiences and to see how my kids are from the
0: from being raised in those experiences because they're very different and how resilient you can all be. Yes, and there is. Again, I just spoke to a family that was going through a divorce mm-hmm. and with a young, young child, and that fe- that doesn't feel normal because no. it's not part of your plan. No, and yet statistically, it is a new normal that says, "Yeah, your th- families come in way different mm-hmm. shapes, sizes, configurations." Um, so, I, 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 uh, that's that's anything how you sh- want to say about uh, normal. Divorce is normal. Well,
1: unfortunately, especially in South Florida and especially in Boca, there are a lot of divorced families. And what I noticed when my first child started preschool, I thought... I was going to have those feelings of her feeling like odd man out because everyone had a mommy and a daddy in the same house. And what I noticed is that we started to make play dates and they would say, oh, no, she's with her dad this weekend. No, no, she's with her mom. And my older one picked up on it and so and felt normal because everyone around her had a very similar dynamic. So I was Crazy. thankful for that. but. It's it's not you know it's not ideal but I was thankful that she didn't
0: feel alienated you know and again it's validating the stories mm-hmm. validating the mom's stories the dad's stories the family stories the the lifestyle so- stories and then each child's mm-hmm. individual story Marnie what would anything you can say about because you're in that um, you know did I how did how did our blended family become normal. It was a very difficult transition, I think, even at first, because
2: they were just used to being the three boys, the three brothers, you know, as everyone called them, and then there's this little baby, you know, and I'm like, okay, we have to be a little bit quiet, it's time for bedtime, let's turn down the lights, and they were like, what? The (laughs) F-U-C-K? I can't turn it off. Yeah, like, what's going on? I'm like, as soon as he goes to bed, we'll turn the lights back on again, but they really, I have to say, have been so great with him, he's been so great for them, he loves his brothers more than anything in the world, and they are very good at sort of teaching him life lessons and, and, you know, saying, no, this is how it should be. Or if he has an issue with a kid, he'll tell his brothers before he'll tell me. And they'll say, this is how you should handle it. And this is what you should do. And it's really nice. And I think that you just have to be willing to embrace the crazy because my life is crazy. All the time. So even though I'm, I'm a creature of habit and I have my routine, I sort of know, okay, it's going to be crazy. This is what's going to be going on. There's going to be a lot of noise. It's going to be... So people will come to my house sometimes when we don't have the boys. Like, it's so quiet here. And I'm chuckling to myself like, you have no idea what it was like here
0: last night. Sure, sure. So, And so what I, it's also this idea that we have to make whatever is the reality make that normal you know we have that phrase normalizing and and in this world we have this fear of normalizing something that you don't want to be normal Mm -hmm. but I think when it comes to ourselves and our family because I want to say that when I do a podcast on or when I do a a, a seminar on what's normal for your is this normal that my child is doing this the answer is always yes whatever your child is doing that's the starting point Right. right you know then you can connect the dots and figure out oh does he need something I haven't taught him yet or exposed him to or have I not created a certain level of communication or or understanding or empathy you know like what are the gaps and then so it's not like a deficit model it's this how do I grow from exactly where we are so normal is exactly where we are today Mm -hmm. and then we get to choose And I think all three of you have been very powerful women um, and parents as in terms of choosing the kind of lives and families you you lead and Mm -hmm. steer. And I mean, you are these these big mom, you know, energies that that take on the world. And I think that 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 conviction is is the antidote.
1: True. I think you have to surround yourself with those kind of moms though. True. I think that when you, you know, when you first enter a school situation and you meet those mom friends It's okay to not be friends with everybody. Not to say you should ever be rude or dismissive or, you know, not include people, but it's okay to say, you know what, we don't really have a lot in common. It's okay that we're not going to be friendly. You have to be comfortable with that. And surround yourself with people that make you feel comfortable with your choices, not that they tell you what you want to hear. Because Marty and I certainly, we have many conversations where we completely disagree on the way that we do do things, but we're very respectful, I think, of each other's normals. Um, So I think that, you know, you have to surround yourself with people who, Support your choices and don't judge you for them, and make you feel comfortable with the choices that you're making every day for your kids. Yeah, cats. if
0: you have those peckers in your in the, that are like Get pecking, pecking at you, like uh, I think uh, I my do. Angela described those as little ducks mm-hmm. that just peck at you uh, mm-hmm. constantly. Just you know, you cannot no, uh, surround almost. yourself by that. At the same time. I'm also thinking about like so so much of normal because we live in a world of diversity. We live in a world where everything is acceptable. You can do you know you can be the very crunchy you know um, attachment mom. You can be the little um, I don't know I don't how to describe you know you can be that whole you can be a spanking parent Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. there are again without judgment Mm -hmm. Um, not that that's your first choice but there of course that happens. So wherever so how is it? And I, and I want this question on two levels, for yourself and for your children, find your tribe. The idea of who are the people that are like me or that, that make lead me in, or, or lead, create this world around me that I want to be a part of. Um, this might even be bigger than who I am right now. So. And, and it's also, But also about being inclusive because, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you think of your kids where you can't exclude someone, but you want to tell your children, no, you can't be the same kind of friend with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, like, of course you like playing with so-and-so more than you like so-and-so because you guys have a special, you know, thing together. So mm-hmm. how, your tribe, their tribe.
2: I found when I first sort of started the mommy and me kind of world, I didn't fit in. I was one of the old, oldest moms in the class. I was um, sort of, you know, I had three older children, second marriage. I definitely felt judged. I definitely felt like, I don't belong here. I'm going to come anyway because it's for him, but I'm sure I'm not going to make any friends. Okay,
0: so time, time. Hold your thought. You felt judged, absolutely. Very much so. Do you think you were really judged? Yes. Really? I definitely do. For what?
2: Um, being an older mom. Having um, a husband who had three children from a previous marriage and just being different. I mean, I definitely felt that way. I, You know, I'm certainly nice and so certainly able to talk to anybody. So here's the struggle, you
0: want to embrace normal, but every time you feel different and your child feels different, you feel the judgment. Right. Absolutely.
2: So it wasn't a great experience initially, But when I finally got around to separation, I was with a group of wonderful women, Shirley included, who pretty much 99% of the class was on their second child. And I thrived in that environment because... I was not knowing what to do. They loved I was you, brand they new you. I know. I was like the rock star of the group. Like, I would be prom queen, but we don't have to get into that. Um, but it taught me so much. It made me, I remember saying to Rachel, I met like a really nice group of girls. Like, I like them. I enjoy them. And it was so nice having play dates with them and being with them. And I never felt judged by them. They would teach me things that they had already learned because they've already done it. So I would be like, this is happening. Like, oh, yeah, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. I mean, but I didn't feel it was fine until I sort of learned, like, okay, it's okay that this is happening. And so my experience was a little bit rocky at first, but it turned into a wonderful thing. And, you know, I think you have to find those people that you can relate to that make you feel that it's okay you know, who you are and how you parent, no matter what, and they're not going to judge you. And I think Danny's similar in the sense that, you know, he was a little bit late bloomer in terms of talking. You know, everyone else talked. He had all girls. He was the only boy, basically, in our group that we were kind of, you know, together. And he wasn't speaking yet, and he just kind of observed, and then all of a sudden he came out of his shell, and, you know, he doesn't stop talking. So I think we're kind of similar in that sense. Because
0: I think that's really painful when you feel like you're being judged for your child being different. That's that's over the top Mama Bear's got to come out. Right. That's hard.
1: Yeah. I, but I, And I do think that there, when you find your tribe, you know. You know that you're surrounded by people who are going to be in your life and they're going to care for your kids the way that you do. One of my favorite things about a tribe and the way that it grows is when Marnie made her friends here, I, and I met them, they Became my tribe, yeah. and I love combining tribes. And I, it doesn't happen a lot because I think some people are scared to mix their friends. But I feel like Marnie and I have always shared friends from different parts in our lives. And when I met Shirley and I met Marnie's other friends, immediately I knew they were my people. And you know, when someone is your cup of tea and when they're not, and it's okay to yeah. you know, to kind of feel it out and figure it out. But I do think that. Um, when your kids see you making friends with new people, it encourages them to also make new friends, and it's important for them to see that you're not just stuck in that same box of the same people coming to your house every day, and there's no growth, and I think it's important for our kids to see.
0: And I know you have something big to say about being judged, because as a mom blogger, you that went to a very public level. Oh, yeah. But I want to come to Shirley in between, uh, before I get to the big, big uh, <laughs> judgment. Um, how... How does that work for you? At what point did, did you ever feel different? Or did you always, were you always the connector? I
3: feel like I am definitely the connector in our, or I was in our group with these kids. With Jacob... I started in Lake Worth so I did some baby classes over there and then I would come over here to Boca and do some classes and I kind of felt like an outsider when I was in the Boca classes because I felt like all these Boca moms, you know, they all lived here and I was like, I was like a bridge and tunnel girl, you know, like I came all the way from Lake Worth and like I'm just pretending like I live in Boca but I'm just here trying to, you know, do my thing. So I did have a little bit of that feeling. And then when Jacob started B'nai Torah, I let him take the lead because he started in school. We didn't do Mommy and Me or anything here. So he was like, I like this boy. I like this one. I like this one. Those became his friends. Those are still his two closest friends today. And I'm friends with those moms, but I'm friends with those moms because Jacob's friends with their boys. We don't have common friends at all. I'm friends with those two. The three of us are all friends together, but that's it. And then when we started at Del Prado, there was a bunch of B'nai Torah moms and we became friendly at that point, but we weren't friendly in B'nai Torah because our kids weren't together. But with Sydney, it was like a whole different bag and it's nothing that I ever set out to do. I think it's just because I was at a tour the whole time and I started the baby class at six months which you know and then I didn't come back until like I don't know 17, 18 months I, I, I really couldn't handle the dynamic in that room it was a little bit much for me with the moms who were like my husband doesn't even know where the dishwasher is I'm like my husband hasn't been home since Monday like what are you talking <laughs> about your husband doesn't know where the dishwasher is you know so it's like I couldn't deal with that and I'm like mommy classes are not for me and then Nancy was like well you have to do separation before school I'm like damn it mommy classes again and then I did the mommy class and then like I met, you know, my group of friends who are now my friends who I've been friends with for four years. So it's like, you never know what you're going to get. But I I don't know if it was me, if I was more open this time than I was,
0: and I didn't feel like a bridge and tunnel rat or what was going on. But (laughs) you you know uh, what? There's a real power in saying this isn't for me right now. Yeah. And, And there's a lot of mothers who come in and... Really, like coerce themselves to to stick with it. Like I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to make my best friend. I'm supposed to be exactly like everybody else in this room. And we, you know, we try to engage in conversations and things that that make people feel welcome and and, and true to themselves. But it's not an easy process, especially when it's just not fun to be hanging around in a mommy room for right. a bit.
3: I don't know but. what it was really though about our class. I've tried to think about it in our group, but I think it's just that all the moms in our group were, like, real. There was no air about, like, oh, well, you know, I go home, and da 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 and, like, you know, all this, like, pomp and circumstance. Like, it was what it was. They're like, oh, my God, I came home, and she pooped all the way up my shirt, and then it was, like, in my armpit, and then I didn't have a change of clothes and whatever, and it's like, oh, well, this person, like, lives in reality. I can can be friends with them, not someone who pretends that everything's like champagne and caviar dreams all the time, because we all know it's not, so... I don't know. And then I think, I don't know how we just all started hanging out. I think we just all started doing play dates together. And then our kids all got along and we all got along. And it just seemed like a very
0: happy marriage. That and everybody lasts. here, but everybody knows, I mean, there's no such thing as normal. If you're pretending caviar and dreams Mm -hmm. is normal, that will never, ever be the normal. Perfect moms will never be, or perfect parents will never be normal. Kids doing and saying all the right (laughs) things at all the right times will never, ever be what's normal. So that's, you know, that's the biggest struggle of all, I think so rachel you you because so so much of being what's normal in the judgment is doing things in public, mm-hmm. and because you're a mom blogger mm-hmm. for wine and cheese, it's wine with an h mm-hmm. um, you've had you've had to take you've had to celebrate your normal mm-hmm. um, even when it wasn't everybody else's. Um, normal and they didn't want to see the mirror yeah um, that this was part of their lives yeah. as yeah well. it's
1: you know it's very I started my blog several years ago when I was going through a divorce and I did it totally as an outlet just to have some levity I have a very funny family I'm surrounded by funny people and there were just things that happened that felt like they should be a Seinfeld episode so I started to write them in the beginning it was just my family and friends and once I put myself out there a little bit and started writing for Scary Mommy and HuffPost and all these outside things, you bring in strangers to your little world. And it's very daunting and it's very scary and people are very mean and people judge you. People don't even read half the articles you write and write very nasty comments and you have to have a thick skin. And sometimes I'm really good about it, but sometimes it hurts. I'm a human being at the end of the day. Um, And I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made, not in the fact that I did it, but just the way that I handled it, was I did, I wrote about something that happened at my daughter's Previous preschool, not here. I didn't name the school. I didn't mention anybody. But it was a ridiculous event that happened. Um, And I'm a writer, and I write my life. And so I wrote about it. And I was... Completely bullied by the moms who felt like they were probably the ones that were mentioned, um, which to me, I didn't mention anybody. So if you see yourself in my story, that's not really on me. Um, and I started getting defriended on Facebook and I started get. they went to the director oh, and complained. And they, I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was horrible. And, um, you know, every fiber of my body hurt and I didn't know what to do. And I took the post down. And I spoke to a writer after that, and she said, you should have never taken it down. You need to have conviction in what you write, right, wrong, or indifferent. And that was my biggest regret is that I took it down Um, because it made people who watched the whole thing feel like I wasn't confident in myself, and it wasn't about that. I was protecting my daughter because she was still there for a couple of weeks. So So that's my mistake. My mistake in my mind, I don't regret writing it. I don't regret anything I said. It was the truth, and it was everything that happened. It was what I was feeling. I should have waited till she was gone and not walking in those doors anymore. If I, I wouldn't do it again because I don't like to talk about her school and that's another thing that I realized as I got further along in my career I want to focus more on me and not where my kids are and what they're doing, um, but I should have
0: waited until she was gone. So uh, there's a million things in there. One is let's hype, let's call it a mistake, mm-hmm. like you, or at least that you wouldn't do it exactly that Correct. way again. Correct. What I love about your story is that the idea of standing up for ourselves, right or wrong. Mm-hmm having the conviction that this is what i did mm-hmm. i did it with great intention great intention. not out to hurt it anyone it was entertainment it was enter- it was but, but that is the perfect metaphor for for parenting as well because you experienced it in this professional Um, Veneer, which says, okay, so now I have to remember this is my professional self. And I think we're a little bit better at protecting and and setting those boundaries Mm -hmm. and guidelines for ourselves professionally. But when you're just talking about yourself as a parent and as a person, you're way vulnerable. Very. And whether you're a writer or or whether you've turned your life into art or whether you're just living it day in and day out – there should be no apologies. Right. I mean, apologies. If you, you know, right. You know what I mean. But this idea of just to be able to stand by the conviction of judge me, but you know what, I will own that, and and I will and I will stand by my mistakes because that is my normal, right. And that's the only way we can break through this. Well, I think the thing that hurt the most in the whole situation was that
1: originally, when the post first went live. I had board members from the school sharing it, loving it, laughing, messaging me, saying, oh, my God, this is hilarious. And then all of a sudden, it only took two alpha moms to and rattle flips. them yeah. and make them feel bad about liking something that was meant to be entertainment, and everyone flipped. And that's the part because you, you question yourself and say... Was I wrong? Did I do something that I shouldn't have done when everyone
0: turns? But instead of, and I think that's so relevant for all parenting, because instead Absolutely. of just allowing ourselves to be in the complicated mess, mm-hmm. which is okay, it was entertaining and 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 maybe I should have went you know like right. it's, it, everything is complicated nothing is black and white right especially with kids and especially with parenting right. and so to be able to to live in a world where the normal is allowing for that and 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 having those conversations forgiveness instead of judgment mm-hmm. or or a conversation instead of judgment mm-hmm. anyway so it's I think that there's a lot there and then there's just the only, the only other thing I want to say about the judginess because I think we get, it gets most hurtful because it's our children. Mm-hmm. And, and so the question is how do, we, how do we manage not normal? How do we manage being labeled as not normal or different when our kids are involved? Any things, imagine yourself speaking to the moms of newborns, the, the moms of young toddlers first time. What do you say to people that don't have as strong of a parent identity as you three do?
2: I think you have to really just be confident in who you are. Where does and that I, come from? Experience. Mm-hmm.
0: I, so you I, may I, not have it no, the first I didn't have year it. or the second year. No,
2: I definitely didn't have it. I, rem- I There was a woman here today talking about something that she was like concerned about, and I, I was feeling how I felt when she had said I was like, I felt that same way. And I remember it felt so good to have someone be like, I've been there. I know how that feels, and it sucks, but I promise you it's going to get better because A, B, C, and D. And we had a conversation, and I could tell that she appreciated it. And I was like, "Oh, you know." So I yeah. think you just need to have the experiences. You need to trust your instincts. That was hard for me too. I would feel something and be like, "I think I should do it this way," but oh, I don't know. You know, not in order willing to
0: trust your instinct. You have to make a ton of mistakes. True. Say, well, okay, I'm going to trust it today and see how it goes. And some days it's going to go fine, and some days you're going to do exactly the same thing, and it's going to go the exact opposite way. You learn as you go, and
2: every kid is different. That was also something, you know, it would be like, well, my kid did this. And I was like, oh, mine doesn't do that. You know, you'd think in your mind, maybe something's wrong. Why doesn't he do that? And then you realize he's different. Every kid's different. No kid fits into the same doing this, doing that, at this exact time, you know. So I think you just need to experience being a mom, let your guard down, a little bit, be vulnerable, um, still be a, a you know, do your routine if you have to. I mean, some people like (laughs) routine. When you you have
0: to, you know you have to. Yeah,
2: correct. It works for me. But just being able to be vulnerable in it and accept that it's not always going to go right, there's going to be issues. I I can remember one specific circumstance going to yogurt with a bunch of the girls, like Shirley included, and Danny was acting like a monster. I mean, a monster. And I was very embarrassed. I felt embarrassed. And they were all like, why are you embarrassed? It's us. And I was like, you know what, they're right. They're not judging me, so I, I kind of was like, "All right, he'll just be a monster. That's it." But at first, you're like, "Oh God, I don't. What are they going to think of me? I'm a bad mom. He's not. He's, he's doing this. He's doing that." So you have to be comfortable monster in who you are.
0: Monster are normal.
2: Messy or not
0: messy, just embrace it. Yeah. So let's do the wrap up. Uh, the wrap up's always the same. How have you got this? Um, I think Shirley should go first. I do too. Oh.
3: Um, I think I've got this because I know who I am, and I know what I'm capable of, and I know who my kids are, and I know what they're capable of, and I just go with that. I don't, I don't try to pretend I'm something else, I don't try to pretend they're something else, I just do the best I can every day, and some days are epic fails, and some (laughs) some days are huge wins, and it
0: is what it is. But the overall picture is magnificent. Yeah.
2: I've got this because I embrace how crazy my life is and that some days, like Shirley said, are great and you go to bed like, wow, everything went so well today. And then some days you're like, oh, today was awful. So I think you just have to understand that it's not always going to be perfect and things aren't always going to
1: work out and you're going to get through it and tomorrow's going to come and it's going to be a new day. The definition of
0: normal. Yes.
1: Um, I've got this because I know it's okay to make mistakes. I know it's okay that every day isn't perfect. And I am comfortable in my own skin. But more than that, I am surrounded by rock stars who lift me up, show me unconditional love and support. And so I know no matter what kind of day that I have, that I'm surrounded by people who are going to celebrate the wins and help me through the failures.
0: I love it. I love (laughs) it. Because, and you do create communities as well, and Mm -hmm. we all know how to connect with those communities. So when you're feeling like you're in the epic fail, this particular group has a wonderful way of concluding their podcast. They like to sing it out. So they have a song for you. <clears throat> that, just, that just popped up on the table <laughs> Shirley the sun will come, come out,
2: out tomorrow that's your bottom dollar that <laughs> tomorrow there'll be sun just thinking about tomorrow we the love and the sorrows <laughs> till there's none.
1: none when you're stuck Talk with, with a day that's gray And lonely, you just lick up my chin (laughs) and grin
0: and say... Oh, boy. Perfect, perfect, (laughs) perfect. Thank you, mothers. (laughs) So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me, seeing little people learn and grow, listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey, loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules, you write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.